I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is your host, CEO Chuck Sexton, and I am joined today by a special guest and client of Next Move Group, Mark Dawson. Mark, good to have you, buddy. Thank you, sir. Good to see you. It's good to see you. What people don't realize on the podcast, a lot of times we do these by Zoom and Mark and I get to actually see each other. Y'all don't get to see us, though. You just have to listen to us. Um, <clears throat> Mark maybe, reached maybe out to better, us. Maybe we're better that way, Chuck. Yeah, well, that's probably true. Uh, as ball as my head is, if there was a light shining on it, it would blind people anyway. Um, Mark reached out to us to talk about some of the things that uh, he's worked on with, with Next Move Group. He's had a recent really cool success story, and I want to talk to him about that. But I want to make sure the listeners out there know who Mark is. Mark's a veteran of the economic development industry. Uh, he's a CFD. Uh, he's at the Greater Clinton Area Chamber of Commerce. And, and Mark, why don't you pepper in? I mean, that, that's your highlights talk a little bit about your career so far okay well i was just telling chuck before the call started i think i'm starting my 36th year in october so i've been around a long time and I always tell people i was doing this before there were fax machines and that really puts people in you know in the thing so i was from a small community in rural missouri and uh, got in this business by default if you will as many of us do and um, was kind of successful in a, in a small community. And I will talk about using renderings even at that time period in a moment. But so then I was there and thought it would be a great idea to get some Metro experience. So I ended up in Kansas City, uh, worked in the Kansas City area with the Jackson County, which is one of the big counties for about two and a half, three years. And then one of the major suburbs hired me Lee Summit and I worked for them about seven, seven and a half years. And um, I had pretty decent success, I guess you would say, a lot of variety of things. And um, then the local utility said, hey, you know, you've got a good round of experience. Why don't you come work with us? And of course they were friends and I knew them. So, and that was, so I ended up working for KCPL slash Evergy right at 20 years. So then between mergers and everything else, I uh, was offered a pretty good buyout when I turned 64. So basically, you know, I went home and my loving wife said, you're too young to quit. What else can you do? <laughs> so I remember, I remember one of my towns had an opening 
So I called the city manager and said, hey, would you look at a contract deal? And they were like, you're kidding. I said, no, I'm serious. So worked it out. So I'm in Clinton, Missouri, which is like 60 miles from where I live. So I go to Clinton two to three days a week, but with Zoom and everything else, you can deal with projects, you know, wherever. So this is kind of the career path, but it's been very enjoyable. Um, my wife says I never met a piece of dirt I didn't like. So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of me. And, and like I said, it's just, and so you meet up with, with vendors and people over the years that have some similar ideas. And I mentioned, Chuck, I would talk about using drawings. So back in about 1988, we were chasing a company out of Eden Prairie, Minnesota, that um, they did steel stamp wheels for Toro lawnmowers or snowblowers. They moved that operation to Northern Mississippi and we were fairly close to that actually in Missouri. So the supply chain migrated south. And so this company sent out an RFP through the state and all that stuff. And that's back, you'd have to do those three ring binders and wait three or four weeks to hear anything and, and that type of thing. So they came down to a community just north of me and called and said, we're ready to see the building. And this was the CEO of the company. I said, what building? Now, what I had done was had an architect's rendering of what a 50,000 square foot building would look like. And I had taken their logo off their business card and pasted it and copied it. They said, future <laughs> home of the business? Truly, this is redneck as it gets. But it worked and they came to town and we ended up landing the deal. So, you know, I think people are data driven, but they're also visually driven. And yep. that's what I think the virtual spec building program through you guys does. It really, uh, it makes a difference. No, you're hundred percent right. Uh, there's a couple of things there. One on the, <clears throat> on the rendering. So I can remember when I first got into economic development working for Chad, and this was back in Paducah. So I was Mr. Project Manager, RFPs come in, let's see what you can do. And we had a company out of Germany. Now, we, we did not land the deal, but the thought process was there. So it makes me feel good that my thought process was similar to someone as seasoned as Mark Dawson when I started, that <clears throat> I had learned how to use Google Earth and the yep. SketchUp Pro. And when the company was coming in for the site visit, I built their facility in 3D in Google Earth took their logo, found who they were, put it on there and created a flyover video of the site with the building on it for the site visit. And yep. that kind of started kicking off, I think, in our brains, the thoughts of doing virtual buildings at some point in the past. The other thing you mentioned was back when you had fax machines. <laughs> Do you still get asked if you have a fax every now and then? Oh, occasionally. We never did it the other day. Matter of fact, we just got a new copy machine. You know, they had a built-in fax and all that stuff in our office. This time we didn't get one with a fax. We thought we'd never use it. Uh, why? You know, people can scan it and send it as an attachment. Well, so. someone asked me if I could get a fax from them. And I said, I'd have a better shot finding a DeLorean and going back in time to get a fax machine than getting a exactly. fax for you right now. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. Well, let's talk about your project then. So, you know, that's sort of the history of, of how things were. And then, you know, what kind of made you, it, was it that that thought process from, from back then and your experience that said, you know, this virtual building it, your piece is going to be good for us going forward? 
kind of, and, and, and I apologize for my voice. I told, I told Chuck I'd had surgery. And so my vocal cords are kind of messed up a little bit. So this is the best it gets. And I apologize to all your listeners. Oh, it's okay. Uh, it's better. Okay. So anyway, we're a small community of about 9,000 people, about 60 miles southeast of Kansas City. We're on a four-lane highway. We're right Again, it's Truman Lake, so it's a pretty good-sized natural area. We had the Katy Trail in the community. Yeah, da, 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 da. That's, that's the chamber sale right there. That's it. But we really only had one building in the community of any size, and it was a spec building that was built like 15 years ago. And they just, by hook and crook, they never could get anything to happen. So then the investment group, and it was a not-for-profit group, said, let's rent it to the farmer to put hay in it. So for your listeners, now try having a walkthrough in a building that it's all the way to the eaves full of hay. Well, that doesn't work. So I knew that we had to do something. So we basically came up with, I surveyed the marketplace. What were the building sizes that were out there? And conversely, what wasn't out there and compared that against kind of where we were seeing lead sizes. And so we kind of ended up on a, on a couple of things that made sense. So we ended up looking at one of the options was to take the 30,000 square foot spec building and enlarge it to about 85,000 square feet and put a new skin on it and that type of thing. So we'll talk about what that looks at and everything else at the moment. Then we had a couple of the larger buildings. So we went down that path with you guys and with um, with um, our contractor. I'm just, my mouse with Mike, I can't think of, of, of Tim. Uh, yeah, with Jessica. Jessica. Yeah, Jessica, Tim will hurt me when he hears me say that. <laughs> so anyway, so we came up with an idea, ran it by several of our manufacturers to look at these buildings to see if they thought they made sense or were they just cookie cutter? And they said, no, they made a few little suggestions, but that's how we came up with the building. So anytime we get an RFI, RFP, whatever, if it closely matched to one of those buildings, I could send renderings, kind of a real estate flyer, um, color drawings, um, a drawing of plans of the building, elevations, and a Gantt chart timeline and cost. And that kind of got some people around the state of Missouri going, hmm, that's interesting. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my buildings and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most, it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad 
Lois does that for me. Other buildings and sites, databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo and see if this can help your community have more success. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so we were kind of out there on the limb doing this stuff. And, um, but we knew we kept trying to work with attraction projects. And I'm also a believer in working first with your local companies. So we had a company that had shown an interest in the spec building. Um, then I showed them the drawing thing and they thought that was great. But then upon further review, their expansion ended up being so large that what they did was they moved 30,000 square feet of warehousing out of their existing building over to this building that they ultimately acquired and then added to their building about 75, 80,000 square feet. So altogether, it's about 110,000 square foot expansion in a little community. And so it's a pretty big deal for us. And, um, and they're a great employer, really proud of them, based in Canada. And um, just a good story all the way around. So, you know, did, it, did the building help? It gave us data to share with them that they could share with their corporate people. But then upon further review, they could win a different direction. But still having that, I do think made a big difference. I agree with you. You know, one of the things, because I was on a local level for quite quite some time myself. And you know, when you're dealing with corporate structures, especially headquarters that are elsewhere, and you have business people who are trying to make snap decisions just as quick as they can, <clears throat> the, the most prepared economic developers typically end up being the most successful in, in multiple ways. But, you know, when, when someone comes to you and says, hey, we want to do this, and you have to take six months to get plans together and drawings together and this and that, or you're at crunch time, there's vacation time, there's this and that to have it at your fingertips to me is the best thing that could possibly happen. You bet. You bet. And I think, you know, and I think many of us in smaller communities have kind of a psychological, psychological chip on your shoulder because you feel, you know, you're swimming upstream. You have so many things you got to overcome sometimes anything you can do to differentiate your product from somebody else is worthwhile. That's 100%. That's, so, you know, we're a fan of the project, of the, of the tool. Uh, I'll probably be coming back to you guys looking at, now that we've done the spec building, that one, can we redo those drawings for something different going on down the road? But that's yep. that's another phone call. So, yeah. but yeah, it's worked very well for us. That's great. Uh, we, we love it when our clients are successful. We love it uh, when, regardless of what they're doing with us, if they're successful, that, that makes us feel successful. I mean, you know, I've said this on the podcast several times, you know, Chad and I, everybody knows how he and I grew up. Ivy grew up very similarly. And, and you know, we are, have a passion for people to have jobs and we want our economic development professionals to be successful in helping people get jobs. And, and yeah. to us, there's really not nothing better that we can assist with. Um, you know, you talked about your building being full of hay. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I've told the story before, but um, in my last position on the local level, I had a building that was 200,000 square feet, but it wasn't full of hay. It was full of cow manure. Oh, no. <laughs> it, was, it was a nice old manufacturing building. It had been auctioned off and the guy who bought it decided to store a bunch of cattle in there for a while. Unbeknownst to me, came into this job and 
I'll go over there and check out this big, nice building. And I've got some couple of state people with me and we're walking around with flashlights and we start crunching. At least they were dry, but we're crunching yep. on them. And <clears throat> they looked at me and said, you're never going to put, never, you will never get a company into this building. And within about 18 months, we had 300 jobs in there. So awesome. it all awesome. goes back to determination. And, and I'll tell you what's funny too. You said something about how you present your building. <laughs> the first site visit we had, I, I paid a guy like $300 in Applebee's cards to clean up the building. And then <clears throat> right before the site visit, I, I, I went up there and I noticed there was still a little bit of a smell in the building. So I ran up the road to the dollar store got five gallon jugs of lavender scented pine saw and poured it all <laughs> over the building. <laughs> and then I dumped them in the planters right at the beginning of the building and outside <clears throat> about 20 wow. minutes before the prospect showed up, the power guy gets there and he, he walks in and he goes, man, this place is clean. Oh, and it smells so good in here. I said, yeah, it does. <laughs> the things economic developers do to try to make their communities oh, yeah. look well. You know, I had, I had a friend, a friend that was kind of the same mindset I was, and he, uh, he was working on a very large project, and he didn't have a building. So what he did was he got the dimensions of what he thought the client was and looked at their other facilities, and they were all similar. So he measured dimensions on the site, and then he got a bunch of helium-filled balloons and put them at the height. The building was supposed to see be so then you could see it off the interstate or whatever and it was a very good visual and you know sometimes you got to do unusual things to make this stuff work and um, I, that's that's why it's not everybody it, does it it leaves an impression you know it yeah. leaves an impression with the client and you know your your job as an economic developer is how do you surprise them wow them differentiate yourself Show them that you're willing to go the extra mile for your community uh, to get the job done and get them yep. there. Yep, so. and also be a, and be a leader, even behind the scenes, and help them understand why this is necessary. And yeah. of course, you know, then I was always taught never take credit, give it to everybody else. Yep, and that's what you always do. And you know, we had a group of people that invested in in this project financially, and um, they were shocked that we were able to pull this off as fast as it happened. And it was literally, I was checking my dates. It was right at six months from the time that we got the final thing posted and everything up on websites till we were negotiating on the building. So it was uh, not, not, not slow to say the least. So, but always remember work your local companies also. Don't forget that. Yeah, yeah, you're hundred percent right. In today's Executive Search Spotlight, we're going to look at Operation Oswego County. Oswego County, New York is seeking an executive director. Oswego County is a large county located in upstate New York, right on Lake Ontario. It's located about 40 miles north of Syracuse. Population here is around 117,000, so a very large county. Talk about location. They're 250 miles, give or take, from Montreal. 250 miles from Toronto and 250 miles from New York City. Tons of infrastructure as well. Over 2,000 miles of highway, CX-1 Class 1 rail. They have a deep water port there on the lake, foreign trade zone. And listen to this. They have three 
That's right, three nuclear power plants, 10 hydroelectric plants, four natural gas and fossil fuel plants, all in the same county. Talk about existing industry opportunities there. Not to mention they have a county airport and they're just 45 minutes from Hancock International Airport located in Syracuse. Tons of sites and buildings, a lot of good product and an amazing quality of life with year round recreation and tourism. You have hiking, fishing, hunting, trails, boating, everything you could want for quality of life, quality of place, Oswego County has it. Pay is 140 to 160,000 salary, good benefits. If you'd like some more information, visit thenextmovegroup.com backslash Oswego. Well, tell me, I noticed your American flag rolled up back there. Yeah. Tell me about that. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm working for my home office today in Lee Summit, Missouri, which is a suburb. That's the American flag that was on my dad's casket. And so he passed away about eight, eight or 10 years ago. So I've got a little thing there. And then the stuff on that side is my big record album collection. I've got about 1,500 record albums. I wondered if that's what that was. That's yeah, great. That's, that's what it is. So anyway, so yeah. I keep my grandfather's uh, flag from his casket. Uh, it's actually in a wood box, uh, shadow box, with all of his medals from World War II. I'm his yeah. namesake. I was named after him. So he got the Bronze Star and the Purple Heart uh, in the South Pacific. And yeah. uh, I keep it displayed actually right next to his favorite bourbon in my bar, right yeah. next to his favorite singer, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Uh, I've got a Frank record sitting there right next to that. So I've got a little memorial for my grandfather that I keep. Uh, awesome. I, I toast to him from time to time. My dad was a cryptographer and he was in the Gilbert Islands which is in the South Pacific. Yeah, then I had, I had an uncle that was in Guadalcanal, and he's kind of like your grandfather. He, uh, the story was he was shot by a sniper, and he got a purple heart as well. Now, you know, he played golf really good, so I don't know. He was shot in the leg. My <laughs> grandfather so, was, uh, his purple heart story was, um, they were carrying a, a fellow soldier off the battlefield, and uh, they stuck him on a stretcher, and they, they got him on the stretcher. My grandfather was in the front holding and the other guy was in the back and they were running off the field and the grenade landed right yeah. there underneath, killed the guy on the stretcher, killed the guy in the back and shot all into my grandfather's uh, uh, calves. And wow. the only reason it didn't hit him any farther than that was because it hit the body of the guy on the stretcher. And so, uh, you know, it's, and, and I know he had a lot of scars on his calves, you know, Notice when I was a kid, but um, yeah, well, here's another connection you and I have. When I first started in economic development, I was working in a community in the Missouri Boot Hill, and I was very close to Paducah. When uh -huh. you think about it. So we were we were about 17 miles from Dyersburg, Tennessee. Oh, wow, yeah, you were real close, yeah. And so, Forkham Lanham Construction, I worked with some, and there was a chamber director, economic developer there that eventually went to work with the uh, Tennessee uh, Economic Development State Group, uh, Sammy Dietrich. And of course that's been, my gosh, it's been 33, 34 years ago, but they took me under the wing and kind of taught me how they did things in Dyersburg. And we actually marketed together that if it was a project that was only looking on my side and they were staying in a motel, they would get flowers or a bottle of wine or something from both. That's cool. That's a, that's cool. And then we always knew 
being a small town, housing was limited, but they had the executive housing. And so we kind of like, okay, we'll sell four houses someplace else if we get the CapEx and the jobs. So, you know, that's, you got to do what you got to do. So. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. Yeah, I've worked good. on borders before too. It's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard a lot of times to get people to work across, especially state lines and, and oh, yeah. even county lines. It's hard to, it is. Um, it really I ran really a nine is. county regional organization and it was tough. If I'm ever in a town and people say we're too small, we're too backwards. We're too, we don't have interstate close enough. We don't have a Metro close enough. You can't tell me that you cannot tell me that because right. I've seen it done. in what I think is the hardest place to do it. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you can make it happen. It's just, it's just a little more pushing, but you know, if everybody works together, it, it's, um, it's pretty cool stuff. I know yeah. my boss at the utility when I first started, um, he was, he was a CECD as well. And he, um, he had a great quote and you can use this if you need to, but he said, economic development is the art of making things happen that most people think just happens. And I've always thought that's exactly right because no one has any idea of the different parties that touch a project when it's going on. I know? love that. Uh, um, yeah. Economic pretty- development is the art of making things happen that everyone thinks just, just happens. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if we can help you guys, I mean, that's, that's the way you do it. I mean, we're all in this together and um, it, it truly is a, um, it's a neat project. Um, you know, it's, um, I mean, I, it's, I, and I'm not allowed to use the CapEx on it, but it's the largest CapEx I think our community has ever seen. And we're probably on, we're probably on right now track to do somewhere between 75 and 85 million in this little community this year. And we've had 11 manufacturers expand in three years. So that's phenomenal. It's just little bitties, you know, it's like winning ball games by base hit hit at a time. That that's what you do. So anyway. well, that's the name of the game. And and look, You're- I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, you being a client. I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. And certainly if there's anything else we could ever do to assist, please let us know. I'll do that. All right. Look forward to seeing you in person sometime. All right. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, See you, buddy. See you, buddy.